and my loves. Okay, so it has been almost less than 12 hours since I um, did the first podcast um, doing a career call for our young divine feminines and masculines. Um, But I've been led to do a part two. Um, This one, I'm going to be talking to my divine feminines and my divine masculines who are human, um, meaning H-U-E. M-A-N, with meaning in terms of color, hue, and um, or melanated. Um, and there's some things that I really want to address and really push um, if you're considering going into law as a part two to that um, podcast that I did before. Um, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to title the podcast, even as I'm recording this, but I have spent uh most of the night the midnight hours um working with with what i'm gonna put together or have for you here um i'm gonna be vulnerable with you in the sense that this is my hadassa moment um or my esther moment um and it's been very beautiful so just grow with me um as i'm sharing things that I think are going to help you understand that this is very much a part of me growing also. What do I mean by the Hadassah moment? So if you, most of you are familiar with the story of Esther in the, mm, let's just say scripture, right? In ancient scripture, uh, it talks about this young lady that long story short, she was selected by the queen, by the, by the king for her beauty. And she was trying to get by by just being your regular everyday, you know, person and going with the flow. But it came to a point where she had to advocate for her people. And um, and when you read that story, it's fascinating to hear how, you know, some of the things... I, that she's going through is kind of what I'm going through now. And it's always been one of my favorite stories growing up. Um, But here I am sitting here recording this podcast. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's not a comfortable topic in June of 20 of 2021 to be able to talk about um, human rights and justice and words that I'm learning to stay away from, like uh, minority and um, black um, and all the stigmas that come with that, right? And, um, but even with this journey, um, once I came to understand that I chose to come here and experience life as a black woman, it's like, why would I shy away from all of the conversations and everything that has to do with being a black woman. And so here I am embracing what it means to be in many cases, karma. Okay. So I say all of that to say that this topic of you going into law, I want you to understand that, um, you know, your work is going to be cut out for you. Um, And here I was in a way kind of talking about, oh, our young people need to go out and they need to make this change. But it's like, I need to demonstrate that change for you as one of your aunties or somebody that's in the first wave ahead of you. And so I'm letting you know that, hey, if I can, you know, be then more than just a divine feminine, there's more to me than that. There's more than me just having my platform. We have to 
get to the nitty gritty of these conversations and it's going to take courage and, um, but, but I think we have what it takes. And this is me imparting my message um, <clears throat> and my wisdom that I have up until this point to really light some fire under you to take this message, take this baton and run with it. Okay. But it's like, I'm realizing that as, as an adult and an older person, <clears throat> if we're running this race, I have to have um, been consistent in my track training and um, eating healthy and doing everything. You know, when we're talking about tra- track trainers, to be able to run as fast as I can in my leg of the race using all the coaching and training that I have gotten from the people before me so that when I hand off this baton to you, that you're going to take off faster and quicker and do all of the stuff for our community, okay? So let's get into it. And this podcast is going to be a little bit longer. I'm going to tag it on to part two of that um, series I did for the call for... Um, divine feminines and divine masculine young people to be lawyers, but I'm going to also keep this podcast separate um, for my melanated, my human um, divine masculines and divine feminines. This one is really a labor of love. Um, So let's get into it. Um, I'm going to let you, I'm going to tag two different links in this podcast that I really want you to check out. One of them is going to be the highest paid um, legal jobs. Okay. Cause I really want to make sure that when you're doing this, you, um, know how to knit yourself. And I also, um, I'm going to link, put another link that talks about the fourth turning. And I'm going to be talking about how you can take this career path and build it into a legacy. And that means that you're able to use, um, not necessarily prophetic um, information, but you're able to to look at how we have, as a globe, progressed. And so now you'll be able to plan ahead and look at the things that you need to study for to make your practice very lucrative. And also the conversations you must have with your children as if they're going to take on your law firm and to keep it into legacy and long-term, the conversations that you need to have and um, case studies that they need to be prepared for that are, that they can look at t- for 20 years out, 40 years out, 60 years out, and 80 years out, okay? So I want you to check those two links in the description, but I'm going to break down how you can use them, okay? <clears throat> um. Why am I, I I think one of the things I want to do here is I wanted to kind of bring to the forefront some of the things that you can um, address as a lawyer, right? From a higher level of consciousness, that's high frequency, that's high vibrational. Um, When I I talk about how the stars are aligned um, in your favor, um, it's almost one of those things where you can just fall into it and just be successful. Yes, it'll be work, but it's like when you talk about all the stars are aligned for you at this moment in, in time, 
Um, understand that we're going into the age of Aquarius, and I've said this before, but if you go to Wikipedia and you look at the definition of the things that are going to be at the forefront, <clears throat> human um, rights issues is at the forefront. So there's going to be demand for it. And, um, and I want you to look at things like, for example, we're going to need, we're going to need, um, and, and as I'm even thinking about the title, I, like I said, I don't have a title and I'm, I've learned the importance of words. And when you're going to go into the love mm, sector, you understand the importance of words and sentences. And I had said before that the sentences that they give, you know, whether it's life um, or, you know, in some cases, like we had this guy come out on a $10,000 bond for shooting a, a, a human child, right? those sentences mean something. And so in a way you're rewriting history, you're writing and coding our law and to reflect the higher vibrational needs that we, that we, yeah, the high vibrational needs that we need. Right. Um, so here are some of the things that I can see we need in the melanated community. Um, we need, um, an anti-human hate crime bill. Um, I kind of struggle with the words a little bit, but this is going to be your strength and you're going to take it and you're going to run with it because I like the word of human, but I'm kind of looking at the word anti-human um, and sometimes that can be counterintuitive. So, but my whole thing being is that we need things that are pro-human, pro-melanated, pro-life, pro-child, pro, you know, human men, pro human women, pro human business. I hope you hear what I'm saying. And sometimes you might have to listen to this over and over to really um, get the message. But I am so confident in how powerful this message is going to be, how, how important this call to action is going to be. Okay. We're going to need, um, uh, lawyers who can advocate for the human community human community in terms of reparations um and <clears throat> i think that a lot of the legwork is already there um it's just that we don't have people um <clears throat> to really champion the the messages so when i talk about the blueprints are already there you can look at how the Jews got reparations for the Jewish Holocaust. You can look at how the Japanese got reparations for the Jewish Holocaust, I mean, for the Japanese Holocaust. And so um, that's how you start to look at your 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 case case studies, the languages that they did. What what did the legislators do? What did the lobbyists do? Um, what did the, those bills look like? Um, that being said, um, I'm also going to talk about the anti-lynching laws, and that's going to bring me to a very important point. <clears throat> um, with the anti-lynching laws, uh, it is, we, I'm recording this in June of 2021, and to date, that anti-lynching law has been, they have a quote-unquote attempted to pass it 200 times, Okay. And we still have not been successful with that. So I'm saying all of that to say that um, you have your work cut out for you. 
But I think that as a young person, I want you to go into these sector, into this specific sector, understanding that um, you are there to break generational curses and you're there to set the standard. And so from what I have come to understand from law and even law enforcement is it's going to be important that you don't compromise. Okay. It's going to be important that you don't compromise. So sometimes what they'll do is they will take you out, um, in different, they, they will try to make you compromise in a certain area. So it's going to be important that everything from the grades that you do, the work that you submit, um, the people that you partner with, that, that everything is above and beyond. And if, if, if you're like me, you understand that you're going to have to work 10 times and 100 times harder than the rest of your peers to be able to keep your image um, untarnished and to be um, recognized. But you, you have what it takes, okay? If you're listening to me and understand on my voice, you have what it takes. You are a starseed baby. You are a rainbow baby. You're indigo baby. You were born for this. <clears throat> this message is not going to resonate or gravitate to uh, and not even one iota of my viewer listenership, but that's okay. This is for the few, the proud, you know, the, that type of thing. So I want you to understand that, um, that the blueprints are out there in, in the terms of if it's been done, it, it can be done again. But understanding that when you're looking at things like even the anti-lynching laws, um, there's there's things that haven't passed for 200 times, but you keep fighting. You keep trying to get the right thing. And um, I wanted to make sure I'm, I'm really driving this point home. When you go into these systems sometimes they're going to try to knock you off your block and say things or do things or have you around people that will make you second guess your integrity. I know it happens a lot in law enforcement. Sometimes they will try to put you in a situation where you will go out and, you know, cause bodily harm to somebody. And because you're part of that group, they will hold that over to your head to now where you can't advocate or stand up or do the right thing. So you're going to have to have some type of foresight to understand that you have to um, be selective of who you're up against. I think when it comes to the law, to the judicial system too, it's going to be a little bit difficult because um, if, if, <laughs> If they understand that you're going to fight the system, you're going to get a little bit of pushback. Um, if they understand you're going to go with the status quo and um, pass certain laws that don't upstand. Let me, let, me, let me come back to this one. I think that one of the things I wanted to address was like, for example, um, when when you listen to Kamala Harris, you have to understand that she has a law background. And she said, I'm not going to sit here and do something that's only for Black people. No, I want you to be that person that's going to be okay and confident with the idea of doing something that's only for human people and only for melanated people. Now, that being said, I am a business person. Um, that's like me saying that I, um, I understand that you're going to have a broad spectrum, 
But what I want to try to drive home at this point is I don't want you to be ashamed of standing up for for Black people, for melanated people, for human people. Um, do not take that Kamala route. That's the old paradigm. That's the patriarchal system. Um, this is a new era. This is your stream. And, um, you know, even like when you look at my last podcast talking about law, I mentioned three children and two of them are, were melanated and one of them was not. At the end of the day, they're children, right? But I think that our human children are going through it a little bit harder. So we have to correct that imbalance and correct that in, that injustice. Um, another thing too, I want to kind of address here is when I'm talking about these structures that are already in place, understand you're breaking the generational curses. So a lot of the people that are in place that quote unquote are representing the human um, community and the melanated community, unfortunately, are not doing things out of a high level frequency and or are ashamed to represent us. And that's where I think you need to be different and you need to take the stand. I think that, for example, you have one like um, Joe Clyburn has been around for years and um, his definition of reform for the human community is to have lift every voice and sing, become a national anthem. When we have... Um, children who are dying, we have disparities in our finances, disparities in home ownership, disparities in our health and our education systems. And so I think that you entering the ranks, you have to keep in your mind that there are um, things that you need to do to make it a positive impact and a positive difference. And um it's going to mean that you're not going to become another person who's trying to promote a song for a dying people or people who are suffering injustices. You know what I'm saying? Um, I hope you take that for what that is. So when you look at like um, Joe Clyburn or Kamala Harris, I want you to move away from those old models from the age of Pisces way of doing things where we're ashamed of standing up for rights for people who look like you and me. Um, <clears throat> I'm doing it here with my podcast with this specific one, but I, I know that you have what it takes to do it in the sector of law. Um, okay, I talked about that. Um, yeah, okay. And then um, I also want to speak a little bit to, to you and your makeup and you listen to me under the sound of your voice before I go into a couple more laws and things that we're going to need reform in. <clears throat> I want you to understand that um, you are actually, when we talk about the fourth turning, you're in the hero um, phase. And well, well, you are the products of heroes. So your parents are more likely the, the heroes. Um, and it has very much to do with how they brought you up. Um, and when I link in the description, you're going to see how that plays a role in how you view things. But I want you to understand that your not only your genetic makeup, but your um, spiritual makeup is going to be like you were born for this. So what do I mean? Um, whatever fire... Um, 
that you have as you're listening to me in your heart, that was spiritually planted there. Um, but it is a part of your genetic makeup. Um, when I tell you that this is a this is a Hadassah moment for me, I recognized that I had to start to address some of these issues. Um, I'm I still am a divine feminine. There's still a lot of messages that I will have for the divine um, collective as a whole, but I have a responsibility to my human divine collective, and especially what I think with the young people. Um, but I was listening to this other young lady, and when I talk about how um, divine timing and getting the messages that I need to do um, what I need to do, <laughs> um, she said, you know, this is this was within the last seven days, and and I've been struggling with, man, do I need to, I need to address these issues? I need to be able to talk about these high frequency things. And there's so many things I want for the platform, but it's like, um, here it is in my algorithm. This person comes on live and she says, I know that part of being a human and being melanated means that I have a warrior spirit within me. And that made me say, wow, I have felt that before. I know that there's something that courses through my veins that has brought me here because you have to understand that part of the human um, experience is I could easily not have been here. I have had family, you know, that I will not know about per se by name that, you know, uncles and or great aunts or uncles will have been fed to gator babies that will have been lynched, that will have been, you know, tied from horse to horse and ripped apart, that will have been raped, killed, burnt. Um, You talk about the bombing of Black Wall Street, you talk about even with um, Tulsa, when you would have, you know, human soldiers um, going to war and having their own counterparts shooting them in the back as they're fighting you know, for American rights out in these other wars that we had. So the fact that you're here, it's like you have so much in your, in your DNA that's coded for you to survive, to conquer, to overcome, you know? And so we're at a point where you don't need to be ashamed about that. Um, And I can trust to a certain degree that your parents have done a lot of the breaking of the generational curses to make sure that you are of a sound enough mind to want to make a difference and to be mission oriented and to understand or to tap into your higher consciousness, right? Um, I want to assure you that anything that you feel that you have gone through, even at this point as a young person, um, that makes you feel that you might be ostracized or set apart or not fit in with the group is exactly um, what gives you the thick skin that you're going to need moving forward to um, break a lot more of these things that lie ahead of, of us, right? So here are some other areas that we can talk about. Um, we we need to have, like, for example, this is how I see you being active. We had a NASCAR driver, the first black NASCAR driver. Um, let me see if I can pull up his name. And I'm allowing myself to really pour into this message because I have notes, but upon the notes, as I'm being led, 
I really want to make sure to get this for you. So first. And we actually have a first black um, NASCAR driving team owner that's a black woman. So that, that would happen maybe two or three years ago. But his name is Bubba Wallace. And in 2020, he finished in the 22nd position. Um, and um, from what I understand, they put a noose in his um, workstation. And so it's like the way I see you coming forward and being able to help the collective is for you to be a lawyer for someone like that, to be able to make sure that his workplace is is um is safe and free of discrimination and free of harassment and and that those people will be held accountable for their actions, right? Another area that is almost blatantly obvious is police brutality. There's opportunities for you to represent victims of, of police brutality. There's opportunities for you to write bills and pass into law legislation like me that um, Joe Biden passed the 94 crime bill. You can go in and create reform to um, to undo a lot of that damage. And actually, um, when you look at how the 94 crime bill targets melanated people, human people, you, you have the opportunity to go and rewrite those sentences and to make corrective measures. You, we have things like um, stop and frisk that still has to be addressed. Um, there's so much room for the taking there. I know that... Um, there's actually opportunities. I had put it on my Facebook. <clears throat> I'm going to have to do quite a bit of digging because it, it was a while back. But I know that there's also opportunities for you to get paid where you can go to um, when the police go out, you will just go as an observer and be able to document what happens and to be a resource um, to feedback to the system, you know, things that could have been done differently um, or things that we need to be aware of, that type of thing. I forget what it's called, um, but I know that there's that opportunity for that. And and you know what I what I will do is when I come across the information again, I will just append it. I will add it to the to this podcast and the other podcast. Um, we have opportunities for lawyers that to address medical apartheid. Um, lawyers that you can represent women and their families, unfortunately, if, if they lose their, um, their life giving childbirth and there's practices that are, um, still affecting, you know, melanated women that you can advocate for those families. And, um, um, I think that when you talk about medical apartheid too, and creating law reform in those things, if we have more, I guess, of the lawsuits. Um, and I know that if, if if some hater is going to come on here and be like, oh, you know, lawsuits in the, it's litigious. Listen, understand that of all the things that are um, the U.S. is founded on is your ability to have your power lies in your economics, your, in your money, and in your laws. Okay. Your your power economics. Another good book for you to read if you're if you're interested in taking this career is Powernomics by Cloud uh, Dr. Claude Anderson. 
that's actually another good one. Um, I highly recommend that you read the book Powernomics and you look at his his videos and it's going to help you better understand also how to establish your law firm. And that sentence alone right there is so powerful and it's a gem and I'm so confident in what I'm saying, right? Um, I'm going to go ahead and stop this podcast here because I'm only allowed to do 30 minutes at a time, but stay tuned for the next um, segment of this. Hold on. Okay, so carrying on here, you're going to want to read the book um, Powernomics by Dr. Claude Anderson. That one, if you apply his principles um, to your law firm and how you want to set up your practice, you're going to be light years ahead of the rest. Um Looking at law opportunities for you in schools, as it pertains to schools, um, I want to say there's something, People versus Brown is a good one for you to look at, that case study, but also um, there's children that need to be represented in terms of um, discrimination that they go through. Um, either at the hands of their teachers or at classmates. Um, But I would like to see something also come out to address the way that our children are taught. Um, And this one, when I tell you that there's so many opportunities for you out there and it's there for the taking, um, I can tell you that somebody, as someone who worked in real estate, there is a correlation between the quality of education that a child gets and it's tied to property value, um, but it also has a ties to redlining. And um, and so when you look at the connection between those three things and how we're taxed and that money is supposed to represent um, what gets poured back into the education system, um, you can rewrite things to make sure that the money is funneled to make sure that those children have the education that they need. Um the other one, uh, we need lawyers and um, reform in the banking sector. Um, that one, when I tell you, there's so many topics within that too. But when you talk about how in the human communities and the melanated communities, um, they have been removing more and more banks out of the those communities and it makes it difficult for them to have their transactions. I thankfully live in an area where there's one right down the street for me, but there's certain areas where it's difficult for you to be able to go and even have a checking account and be able to pay your bills and or get financing. Um, and there's a lot of research on that. So if you're interested in, in accounting and finance and banking and going into law into that sector, there's so many case studies to be studied about how you can re- bring reform in those areas. Um, I talked a little about a little bit about real estate. Um, I I think that it'd be great to see a lot more melanated um, real estate lawyers, um, especially to address redlining. Um, it's 2020, and there's still redlining that still happens. And um, I know this because at one point I was supposed to be state representative for a foundation that works with housing. And 
when I when I tell you I was so stunned to pull articles from 2019, 2020 talking about how redlining is still an issue for the melanated community. We need laws to reform that. Um, we need people. Um, when you talk about working in Congress and Senate and um, what I'm trying to say here is the, the next bullet point is talking about how even there can be lawyers that discuss environmental issues. When you start to see that they place a lot of the, the highways through the poor or the melanated communities and it affects their asthma rates, um, there are lawyers that are in place to, um, that should be able to, to protect from those type of things happening. Um, and I want to preface it by saying this, that this is, this is, I'm trying to pack everything into a, this is four minutes into this second part. Um, I'm trying to pack just how many areas you can go into in, in, a, in an hour discussion, right? But understand that it's there for the taking. Now, I talked about the fourth turning. Um, let me go over these with you. I'm going to go over the fourth turning with you. Um, and how you can use that to plan for your law practice to make it thrive for you and for your children. Um, so let's get into it. Um, and I apologize if you hear that stuff going off. That's from my Tasty Works platform. I'm in the middle of trading. <laughs> so I'm just um, keeping an eye on my portfolio here. And um, the tasty works every time a trade or signal goes through. <clears throat> I get those little alerts. And <clears throat> okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go over two articles with you. The first one is gonna be about the fourth turning, and then the second one is gonna be about the highest paid jobs, legal jobs. Okay. <clears throat> So um, the, the title of this article is called, uh, it's, it's a Forbes article, and I really do regret the title of it um, because there's so many gems throughout the rest of the article, but it's titled, Millennials are doomed to face an existential crisis that will define the rest of their lives. The funny thing is, and I've learned this from other people, sometimes when you look at it at a, at a headline especially on these articles you have to learn and this is going to come with your law practice um you're going to have to learn to dig through the content to understand what it is that they're really saying because um he ends this this article by saying <clears throat> he he ends the article with the subtitle millennials are a new hero generation and so isn't that just so much beautiful and so much uh, uplifting than the original title that he had put? And let's just start there. Millennials are a new hero generation. After the nomad archetype, the cycle repeats for another hero generations. The millennials who are born from 1982 through 2004 are beginning to take root in American culture. I understand that if I'm talking to you, you were born after 2004. You're actually, I think, like Generation I. <clears throat> um, 
Um, but take it for what it is. So it says, they are a large generation numerically failing um, schools and colleges and propelling new technology into mainstream. If the pattern holds, they will face, and it says great crisis, but I want you to take away from the word crisis. Um, I, if I understand correctly, the Japanese word for crisis is opportunity. Okay, so we're talking about high frequency um, mindset. Okay, um, anytime you hear the word crisis, I want you to think mm, opportunity. And this is exactly what this conversation is about because um, here we are, we're in the middle of facing all of these different things in terms of what we need. And it seems like we're in a crisis as a people, but this opens the doors for you for so much opportunity. Okay. Um, and it says, it will hold influence for the rest of your life. Um, and it sounds bad, existential, but at the same time, it's like you were brought for here. You were brought here for this. You were born for this. That's what existential means. Okay. Um, so let's get into, <clears throat> into this. The four generational archetypes are heroes, artists, prophets, and nomads. So I'm just going to use this um, illustration to help you understand where you fit in and how you need to have these conversations with your children so they can plan for it. Understand that this is just an illustration or imagery for you to understand where you fit in, how you need to position yourself, and the conversations you need to have with your children so they can position themselves for these crises that are coming up, these opportunities that are coming up. So the four types are heroes, artists, prophets, and nomads. So um, I just read that you young people, my young divine feminine, divine masculines, you are in the hero category. So when you go and you do your research about the fourth turning, you're going to, um, you're going to see all of the issues that come up in, for the heroes. Understand that it's cyclical. So it's going to come over and over and over again. So you can look at history and see what are the, some of the issues that, um, affected heroes. And as you're studying your case studies and as you're studying from your teachers and you're asking questions and you're looking at how to make a difference and how to bring about reform, you know how to move forward because you can see what happened with the heroes. Okay. Now, um, if you really want to position yourself like even more ahead, you're going to start to look at um, what is it that the artist generation is going to need, right? The needs of, of people who are in the artist phase, um, <clears throat> their needs of lawyers are going to be a little different, um, but they're still going to be in pertaining to the same uh, issues, right? So my idea of what I need in reform, reform for police brutality as a hero is the issue will still be there as an artist, as a prophet, and as a nomad. Um, and so you're going to have to learn how to address those things <clears throat> um, as, as the times change. Um, like even at the bottom here, it was talking about incorporating use of technology. So if you're going to be understanding that as we're going to the age of Aquarius and the use of artificial intelligence and technology, understand that we 
in terms of police brutality, they're using the body cams. Well, what does it mean for you to pass laws that that are going to make it, you know, that they have to have it and they have to um, be held accountable for how they use it? And um, that's just one example. I'm pretty sure that right now we have body cams, but there will be other things. Like even with the use of artificial intelligence for... Um, face detection so there there's been studies that show that the technology that's out there for face face scanners um are actually does not work well on melanated people um i'm gonna go ahead and say it here too but part of the reason that the artificial intelligence does not work on melanated people is because we are made of dark matter and we are made out of like cosmos um and and that's really deep. Like, I don't think people really realize how crystalline beings we are. But um, with with dark matter, it's it moves differently. <clears throat> and it almost creates like a black hole type of um, um, imagery when, when artificial intelligence is used um, to try to pick up a face scanner. And so it it creates false face recognition and we actually have a one of the first cases of a young black man that is undergoing um a trial where they're saying that he did the crime just because of facial recognition but you can see that it's not him um so that's kind of a conversation that you would have as a lawyer um the type of um clients that you would have who need to fight these type of cases and so if you have an, an understanding about artificial intelligence and you can incorporate incorporate it with law, that's a really awesome thing for you to do moving forward. And again, like I said, like me, I'm kind of, I don't want to speak it into my life and say I'm an old person, but understand that um, all I understand right now is body cams, but you can even look at how it affects you with the use of your cell phone and um, um, how they even use algorithms. Like for example, Another area we need reform in is, oh man, is um, we're going to need lawyers for our YouTube content creators. They have been getting slammed to where YouTube is messing with their algorithms and, um, and it starts to affect their finances. Like it's a whole other, I would look forward to having a conversation with all of you, <laughs> all of you young lawyers about these type of things, because it's like, Carrie, I'm trying to jam jam pack this podcast with some really heavy deep seated issues but um in a way they're kind of lynching the person's ability to make income and specifically targeting them and i haven't seen any lawyers come forward to address that and even have a class action lawsuit against youtube so that they stop that behavior and make it an even playing platform and level the field so that they can be monetized and make their money that they the way that they need to. Same thing with Facebook. Um, I don't really hear so much of our content creators on Facebook. I'm not a big Facebook fan, but I know on YouTube it's an issue. Okay. Um, and so when you're talking about planning for futures, um, keeping in mind that as you're doing your case studies, start to think about how is my law practice going to meet the needs of the artist generation and the profits generation and the nomad generation. Um, And it says here, each, um, the four generation types, archetypes, 
they're roughly 20 year periods. Okay, so if you're a young person, um, by the time you're getting ready to retire, you will have addressed all of the issues that come with the Great Awakening, Age of Aquarius. Um, oh, you know what? There was one more thing I wanted to address here real quick. I'm going back and forth between my notes. So understand that in each sectional, there's four phases. There's the high, which is the first turning, the awakening, which is the second turning, the unraveling, which is the third turning, and the crisis, which is the fourth turning. And um, we are in, in the, in with us being in the hero generation, we're also in the crisis generation, but understand that crisis means opportunity. And so if you're looking at the next um, 20 to 40 years, you're going to be overlapping your career with the high and the awakening. Okay. Uh, um, way of looking at things. This is pretty deep, but I will want to encourage you to sit with this information and, and look at how you can plan ahead. Um, it says here, the cycle repeats her on a fourth turning as a new hero generation comes of age and replaces the nomads. Each fourth turning, however, is a great crisis. Um, and then he has a chart here. So for the birth year from 1901 to 1924, the hero archetype was known as the GI. From 1925 to 1942, the hero was known as, I mean, the artist was known as silent. From 1943 to 1960, that's the prophet archetype. And those are known as our baby boomers. <clears throat> okay. From 1961 to 1981, um, the archetype is nomad and that's generation X. Um, from 1982 to 2004 is the hero and that, the archetype is the hero and the generational name is the millennial. And then from 2005 and onward, um, the archetype is artist and the generational name, generational name is homeland. Now, um, with hero generation, they're usually raised by protective parents. Heroes come of age during a time of great crisis. Um, they're heroes because they resolve the crisis. And I want you to replace that word crisis with opportunities, an accomplishment that then defines the rest of their lives. Following the crisis, heroes become institutionally powerful in midlife and remain focused on meeting great challenges. In old age, they tend to have a spiritual awakening as they watch younger generations work through cultural upheaval. Okay, so you can look at this knowing that as you're getting ready to retire and you have your children, your children are going to have to be able to deal with the cultural upheaval. You will be in the later days of your life, um, but prepare your young people to deal with what they're going to be going through at the young part of their life, right? It says the GI generation that fought World War II is the most recent example of the hero archetype. They built the U.S. into an economic powerhouse in the post-war years that confronted youthful rebellions in the 1960s. <clears throat> Um, let's look at artists. As the children of heroes born before the and during the crisis, they are, however, not old enough to be an active part of the solution. Highly protected during childhood, artists are risk-averse young adults in the post-crisis years. They see conformity as the best path to success. And I'm telling you um, that you want to make sure to not conform. Okay? 
um, that's going to be critical to your mission. Um, it says here, they develop and refine the innovations forged in the crisis. And that speaks to, I, I talked about the con, but this is the pro. Um, when I had done the Oracle spread earlier this week, <clears throat> it was talking about how entrepreneurs, you need to um, refine your skills and your talents. It's like, know what you're good at and innovate off of that, right? So this is also how you have conversations with your children. You heroes are going to have children that are artists. And so because of the way that you are now, you're going to want to, in a way, protect them from certain things. But if they're going to continue to run your law firm, they're going to need to innovate off of some of the, the case studies that you did and to refine them and to, to fine tune them and to tweak them to further the, the the community, if that makes sense. It says artists experience the same cultural awakening as heroes, but from the perspective of mid-adulthood. And what that is talking about is that the same way that I'm pouring in all of the knowledge that I have up until this point, and I'm passing the baton to you, your children genetically and from their spiritual DNA are going to... Um, um, take on that 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 um, that knowledge, and this is so beautiful, you guys. Um, but when you talk about epigenetics, you are everything that you do from this moment on. The integrity that you practice, um, the higher levels of consciousness, the positive mindset, it becomes a part of your genetic DNA and your makeup. And that's why you want to pay attention to who you partner with, also. Because that DNA helps to dictate how resilient your child is going to be. And because of the, your level of consciousness and because you um, have addressed a lot of the issues with your inner child, when you start to um, have conscious upbringing of your children, you're going to be talking to them in a different way that raises their level of consciousness that's even higher than what you have been through. So they're basically going to be little old children, um, ancient old souls that will be able to um, grasp the information and innovate off of your knowledge at a younger age. And so that's why it says that artists, um, which will be your children, will experience the same cultural awakening as heroes, but from the perspective of mid-adulthood, right? Um, <clears throat> let's go to profit generations. So profit generations experience childhood in a period of post-crisis affluence, having not seen a real crisis. So this is where your grandchildren are going to come in. Okay, they often create cultural upheaval during their young adult years. In midlife, they are moralistic, values obsessed leaders and parents. As they enter old age, prophets lay the groundwork for the next crisis. Mm, that's beautiful. Um, nomads are the fourth and final archetype, they are children during the awakening. Periods of cultural chaos. Unlike the overly indulged and protected prophets, nomads go through childhood with minimal supervision and guidance. <laughs> they learn life in early in life not to trust society's basic institutions. They come of age as individual pragmat, pragmat, uh, 
pragmat pragmatist. You guys, I know this word. I'm gonna get this word out. They come um, of age as individualistic pragmatists. Yeah. So the most recent generation, um, most recent nomads are Generation X, born from the 1960s and 1970s, and their earliest memories are far away. Um, so this is most likely describing your parents. Your your parent was most likely a nomad, um, born um, between the 1960s and the 1970s. Um, they're trying to give their children a better experience, which brings you into the picture, right? They find success elusive because they distrust large institutions and have large connections to public life. So that's kind of, it, it's funny how they use the language here, um, distrust large institutions. You have to understand that there's awakenings be in between awakenings. And so it's not so much that you distrust the institutions the way that I'm saying to distrust things like medical apartheid and banking and finance and real estate and education system. As much as there's an awakening and there's a rising in consciousness that I understand that there's a better way of life and I'm, I'm um, wanting that for my children, which would be for, for you, the millennials, right? Um, it says here they prefer to stay out of the po uh, spotlight and trust only themselves. Their story is still unfolding today. And then it ends with the millennials. Um, after the nomad archetype, the cycle repeats itself and... We talked about how the millennials are filling the schools and colleges right now and propelling new technology into the mainstream. Okay. So I thought that was important. I would say, you know, keep that article in your, in your files and revisit what that means. What those, what do tackling all of those issues mean for you, for your generation? And you start to look at things um, with a futuristic mindset. And, and that's how you plan for the future. Um, wow, I thought this would be a little bit longer. Um, I know that there's a lot of information in there. And I'm going to just wrap it up. I'm going to close out. Oh, oh, no, no, no. I promised you guys I was going to talk about the highest paying jobs. Okay. I, I knew there was a little bit more. So what I'm going to do is I'm at 20, the 25, 26 minute mark. I'm going to close this little segment out so that we can spend, it will probably be the, the last 30 minutes talking about the highest paying legal jobs. Okay, so let's get into it. I'll be right back. Okay, so I I will have linked in the description um, an article for you, to, for you to look at, thebalancedcareers.com, the highest paying jobs. And I really want to make sure that you are aware of what's out there and then aim for these things and be intentional about planning for these things. So the first one that's on here. It says, these are some of the most highly compensated legal jobs, um, starting with trial lawyers. It says, trial lawyers are among the highest paid legal professionals in the world. Thousands practice across the, the globe, but civil litigators, that's another one, okay? Um, and, and a lot of the things that I was talking about, like the banking, the finance, the medical apartheid, the education system, the police brutality, um, 
uh, engineer, environmental lawyers, that type of thing, civil litigators who handle high dollar, high profile, and high state cases are the most highly compensated. It says, however, not all lawyers rake in high incomes. Many public interest lawyers and solo practitioners earn modest salaries. In 2018, the median pay for trial lawyers was 99000 um, And I would take it that's per year. Okay. Um, intellectual property lawyers this is the next one. Intellectual property lawyers protect ideas such as patents, copyrights, trademarks, and other profitable concepts. This is a fast-growing area of law as technology continues to advance, and it is also statistically among the most lucrative. Understand, I keep trying to say this over and over, and I I recognize just how potent this message is, and I think this is one of those that you can listen to this in a year later, um, and uh, couple years out and you're going to recognize how important this is remember age of aquarius is all things technologically based it's it's there's several things that are listed in the age of aquarius um human justice is one of them um, technology is another one but this one talks about intellectual property lawyers so you can kind of combine the two or the three it is statistically among the most lucrative the median pay is nearly $137, $137,000, while lawyers on the high end can earn as much as $197,000 a year. Okay? And I love what this means for divine feminines and masculines because you can work from home um, and... Um, <clears throat> yeah, I just love that you can be able to work from home doing this type of thing. Okay? The other one is tax attorneys. Um, tax attorneys work with both individuals and businesses to solve tax issues. So we're going to have a lot of melanated human black um, business owners that can use your help. It says they help with estate planning and even with the suing the internal revenue service the IRS. They are often essential consultants when someone is starting a business or when contracts must be drafted. Although this type of work isn't as flashy as the trial lawyers, the tax attorneys still bring in decent paycheck paychecks. The median pay is about 99000 as of 2018, while some make as much as 200000 a year. And I would like to say that you can make so much more because you're, you're when you believe in abundance and you're going to be networking with other like-minded people. Um, and this is what you were born for. Like this is part of your, your genetic and spiritual makeup. <clears throat> Next one is employment and labor attorneys. Employment and labor attorneys work to ensure that relationship between the employers and employees stay balanced and fair. That's another one too. I don't think I have addressed workplace. I kind of just took it for granted that when you talk about medical or financing and banking and education, but yes, labor um, and workplace is important. I think I might have mentioned Amazon, like being able to work with employees from Amazon and going in and helping businesses understand that they can still thrive, um, but they need to take care of their employees, right? Um, they represent either the employers and management of the 
and management or the employees. They are compensated well. The median pay for employment lawyer is about or approximately 87,000 as of 2018 and some attorneys earn as much as 185,000 a year or more. So understand median means you can make less or more. I'm going to root for you to make more, <laughs> more than 185. You know, that you could have people that make a million, but because there's some on the lower end who make less, it brings the median down to 185,000. And here's the other one, real estate attorneys. Real estate attorneys review offers and contracts to make sure that buyers get fair deals. And um, again, this is, I used to work in real estate and when I got my license, it opened up my eyes to just how um, much discrimination there there is still going on. Um, redlining is one of them, but you can also look at contract laws and who they sell to, who they don't sell to, how houses are appraised. Okay, there's things that you can do to help reform that. <clears throat> um, they also work with sellers to make sure everything is fair on their end. Although real estate attorneys make decent salaries, the median pay is 74000 a year, and these lawyers can earn as much as 145000 a year. Nearly one in four real estate attorneys are not awarded benefits. But you know what? Don't even... <clears throat> worry about the benefits. I feel like with that much money, you can, um, benefits is, is one of the most minimal things that you can, and you're talking about being self-employed. So contract, if you're self-employed entrepreneur, you're gonna, um, take care of your own benefit costs. So I'm just careful with the language that they use here. It can sound discouraging, but I wouldn't let that discourage me in any way, shape or form. It's one of those things where it's like, why, you know, we're talking about the difference between legacy and just being an everyday person. So it's like, I can stay at a $40,000 job with quote unquote benefits for dental and vision um, and make 40,000 a year, or I can make 145,000 a year and come out of pocket for my own benefits. And you're going to be a smart person. You're going to be able to figure out different ways to make your income and to make these things work for you. And another thing too, I mean, if you wanted to refer, who's saying that you, that you can't have benefits, but again, I understand that because you're um, self-employed, you're not going to have quote unquote benefits from an employer. Now, if you're, if you own your own law firm and you hire real estate attorneys, then you would look to provide them with benefits because that's the fair thing to do. That's the right thing to do, right? Just something to think about. Next one is chief legal officers. Ooh, all my trading alerts are coming in. Hold on one second, you guys. Love you, love you, love you. Give me one second. I just need to check something here real quick. Mm. Oh, man. I kind of probably should just... Okay, okay. All right, I'm going to keep an eye on that. Okay. Um, next one is chief legal officers. Chief legal officers or CLOs are known as general counsel. Wow, this is great. They're usually the head of law departments of corporations. Generally, the larger the corporation, the, lar the greater the general counsel's salary. Earning the CLOs heading large multinational corporations can reach seven figures, so upwards of 100000 a year. In addition to base salaries, chief legal officers earn bonuses, stock options, other perks that can 
considerably sweeten their compensation packages. So this one, I understand why in the previous paragraph, they mentioned that there's no benefits because they want to contrast it to you working as a chief legal officer where you can make six figures, you can make a hundred and thousand a year or more and get paid um, bonuses and stock options and compensation. The only difference is between the attorney and the CLO is that um, real estate attorneys are self-employed. So I just want to make sure that you learn, you know, to distinguish why they're using that language. Next one is judges. Okay. And this one, uh, this one in the sense that do we have human judges? Yes. But um, even when you look at someone like, for example, oh, I already said Kamala, um, we need people who are pro um, melanin pro human that will um, fight for us. Um, I'm, I don't, it doesn't bring me joy to have to really contrast with her. But for example, with Kamala, now I'm in California. So I understand that she not only wreaked havoc on the just in the judicial system, that's when we had the highest incarceration of black men was actually under her, her, um, her reign. But she also wreaked a lot of havoc in the in the real estate sector. <clears throat> but back to the criminal justice part, there were um, instances where the person was proven to be innocent, and she refused to sign the paperwork. I I believe one person actually um, went to the had the death penalty and actually died and they had been they found evidence that they weren't guilty and so when we talk about we need judges who um operate out of a high frequency that are um here to correct a lot of the wrongs that were in place um that is what i'm talking about um you're breaking a lot of the the way of doing things that were there before. Anyway, so judges preside over court proceedings in federal, state, and local courts. Judges and magistrates earn a median annual salary of 66000 to as much as 148000 per year. The highest paid judges are those within the federal court system, while local judges and magistrates earn the least. <clears throat> In addition to generous salaries, most judges enjoy health health benefits. <laughs> they put healthy health benefits, expense accounts, and contributions to retirement plans made on their behalf. But that's okay because I want to encourage you at this point in time, if you're still listening to, uh, to the sound of my voice here, um, I want to encourage you to always be engaged with the stock market and to investing for yourself and um putting together a good retirement plan. Don't just be um, dependent on other people putting into your retirement. You pay attention to how to invest in stocks and trades for yourself. Um, and it says increasing the size of their compensation package. This is another huge one. Members of Congress. Okay. This is huge. And we have a huge demand for more people like you. Um, if you like the idea of working in the business of changing laws for the betterment of an entire state or country or people, <laughs> right? Maybe a career in politics is for you. Although a law degree isn't technically a requirement to get into politics, it may certainly help. Members of Congress bring home 174000 a year um, and some higher positions such as majority 
party leader or speaker of the house bring in 194,000 each year. <clears throat> um, law, law school professor. Now this one is nice because you're taking all of your knowledge and you're shaping the minds of others. And I love this one in terms of law professor, both of my parents were teachers, but it's like, it's one thing for you to be changed and to be making a difference and to employ people and have your law firm. But every quarter, every semester that you have 30, 50, 100 children or 100 students in your classroom, that's 100 more minds that you're changing and you're shaping, right? And everything starts out of the mind. And out of the mind, you start to see it translate into the physical, the 3D, the, the makeup of how they do things, right? So law school professors teach courses in law, perform research and publish scholarly, scholarly work in their field of expertise. Salaries vary by region and by school. According to the Society of American Law Teachers 2017-2018 salary surveys, salaries for full professors range from 105000 to 204000 And um, securing a position as a law school professor professor is competitive. Um, qualifications for top candidates include a law degree from a top law school, law review, high class standing, judicial clerkship experience, law practice experience, and publication credits or scholarly journals. So this is where it's one of those things where <clears throat> um, I had talked earlier about you having to understand what your values are and not compromising. And so for you to to get to this level when it talks about um you have to go through a law review that means that sometimes the teachers who are used to doing a certain thing um and they see you trying to do things from a higher level of consciousness might not give you the review that you need to get to that level um but i trust that there's going to be ways to overcome that um, there's also talking about um, experience, you know, wherever you get your experience, you're going to have to do certain things to maybe it seems as if comply with what their standards are. So you just want to make sure that you align yourself with law firms and clerks, judicial clerkships that um, are high frequency and that are pro-melanin, pro-human um, and will allow you to, to thrive in that. But anyways... Next one is, and I'm getting a little tired, you guys. So, yeah, this, this one. Litigation support director. As technology changes the face of law practices, legal professors who are also tech savvy. Hear me now. It says, legal professionals who are also tech savvy are climbing the salary ladder. Legal professionals in litigation support roles. That's another great one, too. Litigation support roles earn an average salary of 80000 a year, while litigation support directors and managers command salaries much higher. Top earners usually possess law degrees or advanced degrees in technology, business, and finance. Okay? So that's there for the taking. It says litigation support directors manage firm-wide lit litigation support activities, e-discovery initiatives, right? So just looking online, e-discovery initiatives and technology resources. As a demand for litigation support spirals upward and experienced litigation support 
personnel remain scarce, litigation support salaries are predicted to climb. I'm telling you, there's money to be made in this. Okay. Law firm administrator. Law firm administrators or chief managing officers oversee the business and administrative aspects of running a law firm. Their duties cover the non-legal aspect of law practice, such as financial management, reporting, business development, human resources, facilities management, technology, marketing, and practice management. Law firm administrators in large firms rake in the highest earnings. So New York salary can be 750000 while law administrator salary in Washington, D.C., can soar to 650000 Law firm administrators typically work fewer hours than most big firm lawyers and CMO positions require less education as most have only a bachelor's degree. This is freaking amazing. Um, positions require less education as most have only a bachelor's degree. This can be a great, this can be a great career option for those seeking a lucrative job in the legal industry. Salary is an important consideration in any job. However, it's more important that you are passionate about what you do so that you can be, your firm can be successful. So I hope this was helpful to you. Um, (laughs) um, I feel like I have said everything I need to. Um, and I feel like I've given you the resources to get the ball rolling. Um, I wish you the best if you choose to go down this career path. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm a little tired. I'll be honest. So I'm going to, I'm going to close out this podcast, but, um, I trust that it has been a resource to you. I'm going to charge you as always with my other podcasts with love, with union, with the love of your life, with health with wealth, with wisdom, and with prosperity. I'm charging with black light because black light illuminates invisible. And I'm going to just kind of wrap up with how I started off this podcast that, you know, this is a Hadassah moment for me. I probably will get some hits taken for this, but I would be remiss to be a melanated human being and not address this and not use my platform for this. Um, it doesn't take away from any of the other things that I am, including being a daughter and a, and a um, sister and a friend and a lover and a divine feminine and a lover of life and spirituality and higher consciousness and a lover of food. I think I'm ready to order something to eat, right? But um, I think that even with me taking the courage to have this conversation with you, that it lights a little bit of fire under you to have the courage to break. Um, when I think about, um, there's there's a phrase that I want that to come to my mind, but it's like you're breaking sound barrier is what I, I'm thinking of. When you're breaking the, the type of sound barriers to move us forward as a collective that I hope that it inspires you to do the same. So love you. Peace. Signing off.